You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Hello and happy Monday. It's a public holiday in New South Wales. So for today's show, we're bringing you a very special highlight reel for Kindling Helpline. We've handpicked some of Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue's best advice from the last few months just for you. From twins who bite, dealing with jealousy once your second bub comes along, handling a two-year-old who hits their sibling, and how to talk to your partner about different parenting styles. I'm Siobhan Hunt. All this and much more coming up in just a moment. Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue is in the studio. She has over 30 years experience helping families with their babies and children and it's what she does every day. It's hands-on experience that we're talking about here. So she's in the studio right now just to answer your questions. So I should also mention of course that um, Chris is an author. She's got a book called Bringing Baby Home. So you can also get tips there. But let's start. We've got a few emails and texts today, Chris. Sure. This one's from Michelle who has a 10-month-old. I would really love some tips to help myself and my child's other carers, I think it's a dad, grandma and occasional care teachers, to find new ways to settle my beautiful 10-month-old boy to sleep for naps and nighttime. He's my second child and due to many changes in our family circumstances over the course of his short life, we've moved house three times, renovating the family home, hospital admissions for him. He hasn't had much routine. At the moment, he's either breastfed or pushed in the pram to sleep. He tends to scream, and that's in capitals, <laughs> when put in his cot, seriously screaming with tears. He seems rather distressed. So we revert to the way that works. He doesn't like to be rocked so much or patted. His body goes very tense and back arches as he screams. Oh, um, dear. So this is quite a common um, problem. You you hear this a lot, in especially in that age group, especially the back arching and the screaming, obviously. They're very loud and they can scream for a long time. But when we have something like as slightly chaotic, he's had lots of changes, he's had some hospital experience, he's got three different carers or maybe even four different carers, the thing is to keep everybody on the same page. So write the rhythm of his day down so that everybody, daycare, home, everyone is doing the same thing because that helps him regulate and that helps him to adjust to something new like teaching him to self-settle much easier. So I would spend a couple of days, everybody doing the same thing. So for a 10-month-old, they usually have three milk feeds, three meals and two sleeps, usually one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and they're awake for about three-ish hours before they need to go to sleep. So write yourself up a rhythm Get everybody on the same page. While you're doing that for a week, just continue doing the settling the way you are. So once you feel much more consistent in your behaviour around him, then try and help him to self-settle by doing exactly the same thing. He knows rhythmic movement to go to sleep. So usually what I would do with him is take him into his room. The room is nice and light at that point. Change his nappy, maybe put him into a sleeping bag if that's where you're at. And then I would actually cuddle him till he's nice and calm and relaxed. Maybe even gently swaying, giving him the same feeling as if he was in the pram. And then when you put him down into his bed, I put my hands on him and try and gently sway him. Sometimes if they're on their side, that's a gentle pat. Okay. If he arches, throws himself about, carries on a little bit, I'd walk out, give him a couple of minutes to see if he could settle, two, three, four minutes, whatever he can handle. Go back in, pick him up, 
give him a cuddle till he's calms down, put him back down, and then rock pat until you can get him to accept him going to sleep in the bed. This, with a 10-month-old, it's going to take you about five days to do. So we do need consistency from everybody to help him understand that there's a change in the way that he perceives himself going to sleep. So just to recap, write up a routine. Yep. Um, get everybody on board with the routine. Everybody on board. And if they can start with this, with the way they're settling him now, whether yep. it's feeding or rocking. <coughs> me, rocking, and then once that is set in, yeah. and he's used to that from everyone, that's when you can start trying the cot. Absolutely, because okay. obviously it's a very big deal to teach him to self-settle on his own. So we need everything else in place. We ne- He needs his feeds consistently. He needs his meals consistently. He needs the same rhythm in the awake time. And then you go, right, now I'm going to spend a few days teaching you to self-settle, starting with what he knows and gently putting him in the cot, then leaving it for longer and longer until he can accept you patting or rocking, as in body rocking him, to help him calm down so he can go to sleep. It's not an easy one. Set yourself little goals, you know, one week for just getting the rhythm, one week for trying to self-settle him and see how far. He's amazing. He can learn very quickly and he can turn himself around. It usually takes three to five days, but it takes consistency. Lauren says, hi, how do we get our 22-month-old son to stop hitting his newborn brother? Oh, dear. We have a six-week-old and our older son is really annoyed by that. If I'm feeding, he gets jealous and lashes out. Generally, though, he's a very loving, gentle boy. He is a very gentle and loving boy. He just likes your attention and your attention has been given to a little baby. So I think that we have to preempt it. So we know that he's going to lash out if you feed. You're going to feed every couple of hours. So I'd sort of set him up. So the first thing I would do is if the feed is due, I'd either set him up with a game that he could have on his own. I'd bring out things that he can only have when you're feeding. Or it might even be, you know, how old is he? 22 months. So it might even be... um, a little bit of television like spot but it's only when you breastfeed so they're the distractive things you can do the other thing is that you know he's going to lash out so I'd keep that little baby fairly close to you and if he looks like he's coming too close I'd be on the watch so if that hand started to go up I'd be almost just putting my hand in the middle so it sort of hit you instead of the baby. And then I think you'll find in time it will just settle itself down as the baby gets older and becomes more part of the family, but very, very common at six weeks. Mm. So prevention and and distraction will probably do um, really well in this window. Yeah, and Lauren, if I can offer any words of comfort, my daughter, although she didn't hit my little boy, Breastfeeding was such a challenge because yeah. she would climb all over me. And yeah, that's the most common. Yeah, yeah she climbed climb on And you I'm like, this is, this is hard enough without you being on top of me. Little boys like to get close, like they climb on shoulders <laughs> and through here. And... and it did stop. Of course, so did breastfeeding. And then, yeah. you know, but um, I used, uh, I asked Chris for help at that point too. And um, that whole distraction thing, you told me the to box. get a box. Mm. And so we had a box full of stuff that I could pull out every. And when we did the breastfeed. Luckily for me, Frozen was also 
also mm. very popular at that time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I did. I had a client and their, their two-year-old used to bite the baby's toe. Oh, poor little <laughs> so baby. So I said, you have to sit in the corner so that he can't get from behind. <laughs> so prevention and distraction are two very good um, ways of helping with this one. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. And now we have a question from Laura on the phone. She has a six-month-old who is pushing back bedtime. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Can you tell Chris what's happening, please? Of course. Uh, Yes, so I have a super cute six-month-old little girl, um, and I've got a few challenges around sleeping. Uh, She's only sleeping for an average of an hour and a half blocks at a time during the night. Oh, Oh, during the night. Oh, oh, yeah. You poor thing. Okay. Gets down, to, down to about 20 minutes at a time as yeah. uh, daylight gets nearer. So she's resettled um, by breastfeeding, which yeah. is mostly just sucking. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at maybe bedtime as a problem because she goes to bed at 5 o'clock. She pushes it on me. She's chasing me for bed at 5. Yeah. But I also wonder, I'd like to try and introduce a comforter maybe to replace yeah. me as yeah. a resettling tool. Yes. But she's also very easily entertained and very curious and <laughs> I just don't know how to do that without it being a toy. Laura, how much sleep does she get from you in the day or does she give you in the day? Uh, it varies, but yeah. uh, usually if everything goes to plan, three sleeps. Yep. And across that would probably be two of them will be 45 minutes, one of them will be an hour. So she doesn't get a lot of sleep. She gets about no. two and a bit hours. So I think here, Laura, you've got lots of the elements, but she needs to learn to resettle. Yes. So when she wakes up at night, so this pattern that you've got, we see a lot when the baby doesn't know how to resettle. So mm. if she has 45 minutes, she might get up and the next sleep she has to an hour and the next sleep she has 45 minutes. And mm. so as she starts waking through her sleep at night, she doesn't know how to go back to sleep. So partly she's yeah. using you as the comforter and um, they often sleep in a window of about an hour and 10 minutes or two hours and 20 minutes which sort of sounds like what she's doing so Mm. each time she wakes up she doesn't know how to go back to sleep so if she's having four milk feeds in the day and Mm -hmm. two to three meals in the day in your overall pattern and she's Mm -hmm. generally awake about a two-hour window before going down to sleep give or take you know her being tired that's right then she generally is in the right rhythm but she's unaware of how to put herself back to sleep so how do you get her to sleep she's fed to sleep Uh aha so see how there's the the constant i feed when i'm uh, going to sleep so when i wake up i need to feed to go down to sleep Mm. so let's try um teaching her how to go to sleep so even if you feed her before she goes to bed try not to feed her to sleep Okay, so you feed her, then sit her up, wake her up, and then put her down to bed. And to do that, do you is she wrapped or is she swaddled or is she in a sleeping bag? In a sleeping bag with her arms out. Okay, and is she in her own um, bed space? She is. She's in a um, a sort of built veranda associated with our room, but she's uh, in her own cot and she's happy in her cot. And is that environment? quite light or has it been darkened off for her sleeps? I've progressively made it darker. I've got strips of fabric sticking <laughs> to, the, to the banisters between the, the blinds and everything. It's as dark as I can get it. Yeah. So does it look like a grey light? It shouldn't be a pitch black room, but it shouldn't have bright light in it. Does that make no, sense? 
yeah, it would be, there's no sunlight coming through anywhere. So, Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so the environment is right for her and your timing seems right for her. So I think it's just the association on going to sleep. So even if you feed her, just make sure she's in a state of her eyes being open when you put her down to bed. And Mm -hmm. then because she really, you know, you are her main way of going to sleep, what I would do is not leave the room straight away. I'd put my hands on her and keep shushing and keep um, sort of tapping her or rocking her slightly. And Mm -hmm. if she cries, I'd pick her up, give her a cuddle and put her back down and repeat it again until you can get her to quieten and possibly go to sleep. So the first thing I'd do is teach her to settle by herself and then it'll be easy to repeat it as a resettle to get her go to go back to sleep so right. she's you and her are actually very consistent when she needs to go to sleep you feed her but now yeah. that feeding has become the cue to going to sleep mm. so the more she wakes up at night the more she needs you to go back to sleep so right. your rhythm's there I think the, you've just got to do a little bit of work on her getting her to self-settle but you'll probably need to be with her initially mm. until she gets okay. used to it and then you you can step back a little and let her try a little bit more okay and okay. can I just add one little element to that question the, yeah. I have tried um patting shushing in the bed yeah but she just thinks it's the best fun and she's a real <laughs> so, good life so, so I if she if she around the around the cot patting her backside as she travels <laughs> and she so while it. she's having all the fun in there what we're going to do is give her the message that that's not this isn't the game bit she's a bit confused as to where the game is. So if you put her down and she starts giggling or rolling over straight away and looking at you, just step out of the room for about a minute and then then she'll go, where did you go? And she might even Mm. start to whinge and cry and then go Mm -hmm. back and try it. And when she starts playing, step out of the room, step out of the room for a minute or two and then step back Mm -hmm. in again. And I think soon she'll understand that you're there to help her go to sleep, not there to play. Okay, so stepping out of the room should help her do that. Okay, good luck. Good luck, Laura. Good luck. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Um, We've got one from Caitlin who says, How do I stop my twin boys biting each other? It happens just at home when they're playing. They're about 20 20 months old, and it's just when they want the same toy. Okay, so I think pretty much every child in their in their toddlerhood hits, kicks, or bites, um, and you have two at the same age doing the same behaviour or similar behaviour. So biting in response to not getting your way is a learned behaviour. So what I would do over a couple of days is hover, and I'm hovering not on top of them, but I'm very near them. And when you see one child playing with the toy and the other child looking like they might like to go and bite them, then what I do is distract the biter. So I just take them by the hand and I say, come over here, I've got a book you want to read or come over here and I want to, you know, have come and help mummy do some muffins or something like that. So the one thing to understand is it's typical of the age group, but it's heightened because you've got two of them doing it at the same time. And I think you just have to be aware that the more you distract them out of the behaviour, the less they'll do it. And so I would do that. I wouldn't, oh, I'd try not to yell, jump up and down and definitely don't bite them back so that they can feel the pain because <laughs> that does nothing. That just, re- that just reassures them that biting is a way of getting something in my life. So 
sit in the room with them over a couple of days, play in the same area with them, even if you're sitting on the floor just watching them play. But as soon as you see them heading towards the bite, that's when you want to be able to distract the biter. And then you'll find after a little bit, it'll just stop and go away. Okay. Good luck with that, Caitlin. Biting twins. I thought it was bad enough where my son bit me. But imagine having two. Although she... They're yeah. not biting you. Well, there's, yeah. there's, she a, may there's not a silver have two lining. Biters. She yeah. might have one biter. That's true. <laughs> and two, ch- two See, children. Look, it's all yeah. the way you look at this situation. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, enough time for one last question. This is from Shana, who is a three and a half year old. My son is fully toilet trained um, over daytime and naps without nappies, but he will not, no matter what, do a poo on the toilet. Yeah. Doesn't have accidents, just waits until bedtime when and he has a nappy, nappy on. on. <laughs> oh, Shana, that sucks. Any ideas? I've given him sultanas to soften it and he's never had a bad experience with the toilet. He just won't poop. Oh, Shana, it's so normal. This is a really normal part of toileting children. It doesn't matter whether it's a boy or a girl, so don't get hooked up on that he's a boy. But it often can take them six months extra to actually understand how to go to the toilet. But one trick you might be able to find, because you know he's going to do it in the evening, is just before you put him to bed, put him on the toilet with a little book and make sure his feet, so that he's... So that he's um, not dangling down, put a stool underneath his feet. So he's sort of sitting, so he's sort of tipped back a little bit and that might help him do the poo. So we know he's going to do it. We know he's going to do it when he put the nappy on. And another way, if you think it's more a game and he could actually do it, is that when you're ready, you just buy 10 nappies and you say, I've only got 10 nappies left. After 10 nappies, we haven't got any more nappies and you're going to have to do the poop in the toilet. So firstly, I would put him on the toilet very close to going to bed, Um, but it is very normal and it can take six months before they get the idea. And if you just think he's playing games in six months' time, then I'd just reduce the number of nappies and say, after this, there's no nappies. And then they go, oh, I'm going to have to go to the toilet. So off they go to the toilet. So you you have to sort of judge where he is in the behaviour, whether it's a deliberate behaviour or whether it's just something he's just not mature enough and ready enough to do. But he's not having an accident in the day, so he should be able to control it. So he might need a gentle help. Kindling music, stories and the imagination. We have a question about a two-year-old crying from Shannon. How do you just stay calm when your daughter is screaming at night time and having your partner tell you she needs to learn that this is sleep time? Hearing my daughter cry is heart-wrenching, but I can't deal with a partner screaming at me in front of my daughter. She's two. Is there a cutoff to a cry where you just get up? Yes, of course there is. Um, but the hard thing here is that, you know, you've got two people doing two different things. And, you know, I always say to three, to mothers when we do something like, you know, teaching a child to self-settle, I said it would be odd if a mother told me that it, it wasn't distressive to them. Um, so I think the hard thing here is your partner, you're trying something and your partner is telling you to do something else. So we're, we're at two different conflicts and we need to talk about what we can both do. Um, I think you have to go in. It's hard with a two-year-old because, you know, their level is I'm crying and then I'm 
screaming. And talking too, right? Yeah. So I've had one two-year-old who told us through the monitor he needed the tissue because he was crying. So we all all went in with the tissue, which wasn't quite what we were setting out to do. I think the two of you need to have a reasonable time frame that you'll let her try and self-settle with then you going in and giving some sort of comfort. So, you know... It'd be very easy to say, don't let her cry and you go into her. But then we have to respect the partner's opinion too, who's trying to get her to self-settle because he doesn't want her in the bed or whatever the circumstance is. So I think this is about a discussion between you and your partner before we get her to the point of crying. Because once she's crying, it's emotional. So we have to have some sort of, and because I haven't had a big conversation as to why I'm, I'm what the circumstances are around her self-settling. You need to give yourself, I'd say, a little window of time. Might You might start off with five minutes and going in there and calming her down and then stepping out for a little bit longer and going in and calming her down. It might need that approach right through to, you know, maybe your partner has to do it and you might have to go to the Park Hyatt for a night. <laughs> my always wow. go to. That'd be all right. Um, while he tries it out, but you still have to agree to what the the boundaries are around that behaviour to get herself settled. So it's about hearing both sides of it and trying to come up with something that's reasonable for both sets of parents. And and every single family is completely different. That's true. And I, I've got to say, Shannon, that my husband and I both had very different parenting styles with our kids and they're now three and five and we're still working it out. Yeah. I think the hardest thing is to have that conversation and also to have that conversation when you don't have a child interrupting you, when you're not feeling tired. It's got to be outside the crying and that's really difficult because the crying is so emotional and, you know, they're they're very good at it. Two-year-olds are incredibly Mm. good at it. Mm. So you've got to give this a time frame that has consistency for the two-year-old and that you both agree to do it. Yeah. Try and, try and I mean, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I was going to say have a have a meal and a drink, but if you're doing that, then you probably don't want to talk about crying. Kindling Radio for Kids. We've also got a question from Sam in Glenfield, New South Wales. Yes. How do I stop my two-year-old daughter hitting us and her older brother? She does it often when she doesn't get her way no. and we'd love some tips to stop the boxing. Yeah, so... So being physical, a child being physical, I think, is one of those things that the child has to understand that we do not do that. And it often starts with a playful hit, is what I would call it. Like you might be playfully playing with them and they just swing out and hit you. And we need to understand there is that version. And then sometimes that behaviour can turn into a deliberate and intentional hit. It can be a bite. It can be a kick any of the above are physical and we need to give them a clear message that there's no hitting, there's no biting, there's no kicking unless you're into that. So (laughs) generally speaking, most children will hit you in that age, that two-year-old rage, when you're trying to stop them from doing something. So you might um, be taking something away from them. You might be picking them up to move them, like saying we're going to the bath now and they've been playing and they lash out and they hit you across the head and it hurts. So if you've got them in your arms and they hit, I would put them straight down on the floor, get down on eye level and say to them, we do not hit. And then I would walk away for a few minutes, a little bit of time out for everybody. And then I'd just go back and say, there's no hitting. And then I'd just distract them into something else, like walking them to the bath or 
back into play if that's the case. So that one's an easy one to do at home. It needs to be completely agreed on with the parents. So if there's been lots of hitting with mum that day, then maybe sitting down quietly later and saying there is no hitting with both mum and dad there just gives them a very clear message that this does not happen in our family. That's typically what happens and with age it goes away. When there's hitting in regards to in a playground or you're out in a social setting, I think you um, most parents understand that kids do that. That's the first thing, hitting, biting and kicking. Second thing is they need to see that you're doing something about it. So if you're ignoring your child hitting another child or biting or you just sort of dismiss it as childhood playground stuff, then I think parents get really upset with that. So if my child bit your child or hit your child, I would go over and make sure your child was okay and apologise to the parent. And then I would probably, in my case, I would probably say, we do not hit. And I would take them home from the park as a, as a form of discipline. So I'd say, well, if we can't play, I would go home. Because I want that message to come through that it is totally unacceptable for hitting, biting and kicking. So just giving them a hug and saying we don't hit or kick or bite is not enough. That's in the same level as you've fallen over. So how do they differentiate between those behaviours? So in my case at a park, I would either give them time out if you've got lots of kids there parking, uh, having playing, um, or I would take them home. I'm very good at you going following through. Yeah, I'm really good at following through. If I've said it, don't say anything you're not prepared to follow through on. Yeah, that is such good advice. We've got this question here. I'm not sure who it's from because it's a text, but um, the person says, what to do when bub wakes up at 4am every day and won't resettle, but has huge naps during the day and the baby is apparently nine months old? Okay, so first thing you'd do is make sure that the sleeps in the day weren't too big. So on average, a nine-month-old has about an hour in the morning, maybe an hour and a half, and an hour and a half to two, two and a half hours in the afternoon. So they're having somewhere between three and three and a half hours of sleep in a day. So if they're getting more than that, it may affect when they wake up at night. So this little baby might sleep really well for mum in the day, goes down at seven o'clock, but by four in the morning, it's just not tired. So one is to look at how much sleep the baby's getting. So ideally, the minimum would be an hour in the morning and two hours in the afternoon. So a variation of half an hour is not going to make that big a difference. Um, So that would be good. Goes down about three and a half or three, three and a half hours after the last sleep. So look at the timing. And then if it still persists, then it's just a matter of trying to encourage that baby to resettle again. So it doesn't really, at nine months, won't need anything, won't need a bottle, won't need those types of um, dependent um, settling techniques. Probably just needs to be left for a little bit, go in and pat comfort and and go backwards and forwards until the child realises to go back to sleep again. I can imagine that um, mothers have a huge aversion to waking a sleeping baby. Yep. <laughs> but I in would, this case... But in this case, it's probably contributing to the waking at four o'clock in the morning. Do you have a technique of waking a baby when I generally just open the door and open the blind so they naturally just wake over the next 10 minutes or so in natural light. And usually that's all that's needed. So as soon as you open the door, it's almost like it disturbs 
their sleep in itself, but leaving them for a few minutes to fully wake up. And that should not have them grumpy. So sometimes when you wake them, they're really grumpy because they're actually in a deep sleep. So I just give them that time frame to wake up, but they're not in a deep sleep. That's all we have time for today. To check back on any of the tips Chris gave or to listen in to previous helplines, you can find all our shows at kindling.com.au. And if you've got a question you'd like to ask Chris next week, you can send us an email at conversation at kindling.com.au. I'll be back tomorrow from midday. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you then. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.